Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cheese and pickle. All of television history is contained in the box of delights. Hello, I'm Julia Rayside. Each episode, my guest chooses a favourite TV memory to talk about. Today, I'm joined by Joel Morris, who's a comedy writer of stuff like the Ladybird books for grown-ups and Philomena Kunk. He does those with Jason Hazley. And he's also my husband. So, Joel, you would like to talk about a, a clip. I basically, I think I know all the words to this. Yeah, this it's is something a we have watched so often. Yeah, this is <laughs> important. I, it is important. It's culturally, It's like knowing the national anthem. This, it kind isn't of it? should be. I think in future generations it will be that. I want to explain as well the context of uh, why we've watched this clip so many times. But do you want to just tell the ladies and gentlemen what it is you'd like to talk about? Oh uh, yeah, I'd like to talk about the uh, climactic and dramatic scene from Big Brother One, where Craig uh, challenges Nick about Nick's cheating. Uh, basically. I'm uh, sorry I have to say it, Nick, but very disappointed in yourself. Uh, I not only feel I'm quite positive and got evidence uh, that you're plotting a, pl- a very dirty plan on everybody in here to vote against each other and steer it divert from you. I think that's a, a, an absurd, Craig, it's not one of you yeah. OK, you, you may think it's absurd, Nick, but let me point out a few facts here. Uh, there's a number of people sitting around this table, right? who have come to me over the weekend and basically said uh, that you have showed them a piece of paper with various names on it, uh, i.e. my name on a number of occasions. I have witnessed you giving me a piece of paper with various people's names on. Because Nick has had a pencil. That's it. And this is this is big stuff. So the tension is built. Craig is a master tension builder. Yeah. He's a, so he ended up winning the series, didn't yes. he? Yes, yeah, yeah. And he is a builder, I think, by trade. Yes. Well, he was then, certainly. <laughs> I don't think he is now. And he had concerns about did. Nick's skullduggery, basically. So what was going on? What was Nick up to? Well, it's really... Because oh, watching this, I remember this being so dramatic. I was a huge Big Brother fan. I approved of it absolutely wholeheartedly. And that I series loved. was the peak yeah. of brilliance, wasn't Big it? Brother 1, there's, there are reasons... We will talk about the reasons why Big Brother 1 was so good. And it was a terrific thing. And you were basically people watching. The closest people watching you'd ever been encouraged to do. Yeah. With 
as vanilla as it could possibly be. And you're watching these people and then there was an actual moment of proper drama like would be in a David Mamet yeah, play. Yeah, completely. Really well structured that one of them was a snake in the grass. One of them was, was a betrayer. And that, that's Stalag 17B. That's, yes, how that's brilliant a, was it? That's alien. That's, that's the thing where there's there's someone in the... in the, that's the, It looked a bit like the thing. It looked like an Antarctic base. And one of them was a monster. It's, no, it is. It's like, it was like um, being Jimmy Stewart in Rear Window and just watching like boring stuff. Then suddenly yeah. your nose pressed up against the window. <laughs> Someone stab someone! <laughs> There's a beast <laughs> in their midst. There's a beast in their and he looks like he looks like one of us. And there was yeah, a real yeah, feeling yeah. that any one of us could be a traitor. And Nick, everything about it is perfect. Nick had been you weren't supposed to have pencils or paper or anything. That's in right, to play they the couldn't game. write, could they? Yeah, the rule of the game was weirdly back then you could read and there were guitars and books and yeah. things. You could have cultural things. You weren't completely isolated. You weren't in an isolation chamber in Big Brother One. They could talk about culture. They watched yeah. a film at some point. It was a very different show. But it was just controlled, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And the thing was, you weren't supposed to write stuff down because then you could break the game. They kept saying that it's only a game show. But the game part of it relied on people trusting each other and there being a human dynamic. And what Nick was doing was showing, while the cameras couldn't see in blind spots, Mm. lists of people he might nominate. I think that's what it was. No, it was. He wrote two names down on pieces of paper, or maybe one name, and depending on who he was showing it to, he was trying to influence the voting so that certain people he thought thought were a threat to him and his desire to win would be voted out by he was, sort of sharing his nominations. Yeah, he was playing the game and it was a really strange thing to do because I don't think even he understood that within seconds of the show it stopped being a game. It was supposed to be a game show. Yeah. And it stopped being a game show and became a reality show, a very yeah. different thing, where you liked and trusted those people, even though they're exaggerated people in a weird situation. Yeah, but he lacked the empathy to realise that once people are your friends... Yeah. You probably shouldn't just lie to them. <laughs> yeah, well, he, there was a, there was a, uh, the thing that's, that made this brilliant drama is there was a class thing in it. Yeah, and Craig is the man of the people. He's Completely. a sort of a scouse builder, and Nick is officer class, and is they're bad versions of that. They're cartoon versions of it. But there was a thing of this guy had no standards, and the salt of the earth guy challenges him, and it's just oh god, what what it looks like? Because it's a scouse guy having a go, at a, a sort of highfalutin. Yeah. It looked like Red Dwarf. Yes, it was, yes. It was like, <laughs> Rimmer and Lister having a fight. But around them, they were around a table like the Last Supper. And there's, there's the perfect number of people there because a few people have been evicted. There's seven people around yes. the table. And the weird thing was, I watched the clip again and thought, I know all their names. Yep. I know who they are. This cast. And they, it, each line drops perfectly for drama. It is dramatically perfect, isn't it? Yeah. And for it's something that was just talking in a room, not written down, not scripted. It was great. Yeah. And there was a feeling probably because it's a, a reality show you're always worried about how much has been edited and obviously the, the masterpiece with what well, why big brother is great yeah. is it was made by people who knew what they were doing and got very good at it uh i remember someone i remember a tv critic saying once that the thing why big brother's rubbish is that it's made by people who couldn't make proper television oh no no and no you go, no it's making stories yeah. on the fly it's people who are really good at television they're yeah. vision mixers they've got all the television skills to edit out what doesn't make a story. And exactly. that can be dishonest. What was great about this is because they were sitting around a table and the they weren't moving around. And the cast of people were talking across each other and the story was naturally developing. You did feel that it hadn't been edited. No, you're right. You're, you're right about it being... It was so theatrical. It was so manic. Yeah. It was one of those scenes where, you know, <laughs> the lights are down, the camera just chooses its reaction shots brilliantly all the other director does obviously but it was just small and intense and powerful it really was it was like that episode that people do of, of dramas and sitcoms where it's the the bottle episode where everyone's like stuck in a car yes. or stuck in a lift yes 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 and it's all the characters are in one room if there's an odd thing about and it and they're well, always brilliant because you have to drill down into the characters because yeah. that's all you've got 
Yes, and it's got that sort of Reservoir Dogs. It's got some guys in the warehouse arguing about who's... It felt like one of those scenes from a, from a thriller where someone's betrayed the gang. Yeah. And it's the guys after the heist are all sitting around a table because they sat around a table and the camera crawled around the table and it felt like one of those things. And it was a moment where what should be absolute trash TV, and I'd argue it wasn't trash TV, but it was perceived as... Yeah. This is as low as we've got. Yeah. And you went, but it produces drama like this. No, it was just human. I think that's the thing I talked about. There's a lot of drama these days is less human and more about spectacle and jumps and and twists and turns and and come back next week. And drama back in, I mean, pre-dating Big Brother could afford to be just about humans and what they do in some quite small situations. Yeah. I think we don't see a lot of that on TV anymore. Unless, actually, weirdly, you see it a lot in comedy. Yeah, now. yeah. Now you see very small situations, just characters interacting over something, opening a tin in a Everyday kitchen. Everyday life. I mean, yeah. What, that, what, that comes in comedy now, not so much in drama. What's happens, what happens in this is, usually in drama now, to keep people coming back and to, to justify an hour, it's usually about terrorism or murder or yeah. procedural. There's a, there's there a has mist- to be a missing piece... There's a mystery to solve and it's all that sort of stuff. Whereas actually, in half an hour, you can talk about betrayal. And this is as much a drama as Dr. Foster was. It's about betrayal and honesty in it. And that's actually probably in your life, you will never, ever have to deal with finding, hopefully, a dead body and there being a a cast of seven suspects and you have to find out who is the killer. That won't really happen. But you will have to deal with someone being dishonest to you, a a boss betraying you, working out who's stabbing you in the back. And oddly, early Big Brother, before they started just poking them with sticks and electrifying the floor and things, it was letting people play off each other. And it had... It had a real sort of flinty, minimal, uh, 12 Angry Men drama to it. That uh, literally, great. you do find yourself surging forward on the sofa, don't you, and kind of getting closer to it. because And the directing was masterful, but the, the reactions from the others are brilliant. You literally just get a facial expression or... Darren. Uh, Darren show, is outraged that he wasn't... people names. Have you I shown know. people names? No one showed me names. Exactly. He felt so left out, and that was like a brilliant thing. But watching Nick's cog, so they, yeah. they when they realised he was going to try and wriggle out of this, which they must have been, you know, watching this unfold on the, the monitors in the yeah. gallery, just like, it's Christmas. And the, the camera on his face as he was at first going... I'm going to go denial, like just a, a study in psychology of someone who just lies as a matter of course. Because they had, do you remember, was it, but it must have been before this, way before this, they did a thing where they early on in the house all sat around on the sofas and were saying things about their yeah, lives. Yeah. And he said that he'd been married and he was on holiday somewhere and his wife had been killed in a car crash. Yes. And she hadn't, and yeah. there was no wife. And, and I, I, no. Think, I think they had broken in the papers by <laughs> this point. Right. They were obviously they don't, don't know what's going on in the outside world. They didn't know who they were sharing so the, the house with. The, the audience at home know that Nick's a liar. They've been given the perfect drama. You've seen oh, the dramatic irony. You've seen Richard the Third turn to the camera and say, "I am bad. I'm yeah. going to do murders." What everyone forgets about that chat around the sofa is, of course, Craig's what offering was that he and his mates had gang raped oh, a girl. Completely horrific. Like oh, actually. I don't think he used those words, but basically it was, we all piled on and she didn't know what it's was going on. It was just completely awful. It was a completely charmless bit of, I assume not true or boasting. Embellished. Of yeah, sort of yeah. laddie banter that got to the edge of you went, that's not very nice. So grim. He but, misjudged that room quite badly. But by the time it came round to this debate, Craig, by that point, was the people's choice. He'd been really charming, really clever. I'm going to cut him some slack and assume that story was just him boasting to show off yeah the kind of stuff you do with the lads i don't assume he was that but he thought that was the turn that he yeah, mistrust the room yeah but everyone at home had forgotten that and oh, had only no, remembered no, that nick wiped. was a liar yeah those are the stakes in that kind of show you know no one really knew what was going to happen i think they'd obviously there'd been other big brothers uh you know in yeah. was it, um in the netherlands yeah but 
when a bunch of people move in together, obviously tensions are going to naturally emerge because they do. If you put humans in a you yeah. know a kind of behavioural terrarium, they're going to yeah. start you know it's just too hot and they're going to start arguing. But also friendships are going to form like proper friendships, and there were people in there. Obviously, you cast that show back yeah. then. It's not full of um, just people who are trying to get reality TV careers or whatever yeah, yeah. it is. It's people who were curious and kind of a bit wacky and like, why not try? Do you want to take part in an experiment? People? All the graphics were about labs, exactly. and they had the psychologists. Yeah. On, which is the biggest thing they mistake they made they ditched the psychologist so if you were at home and you were a guardian reader you couldn't pretend you were watching it for no. educational reasons you had to go yes I want to watch them get guns yes <laughs> and it's, it's an interesting the choice of people they had on there were enough for they would create their own drama and what, what happened in later series is that the production team would remove or add elements or or encourage cheating or betrayal to, and they would artificially do it the great thing about this is they'd left these people like uh like like a fungus on a petri dish, and they had naturally become drama. Beautiful. It happened naturally. One of them betrayed the others, just because that's what people do if you leave them alone. Yeah, exactly. Now we need to explain right the context of what. When, when did we first watch this specific clip together? Well, actually, yeah, it's important. To, I had I was attacked. Uh, very very soon after we met, I was attacked. I was mugged and beaten up and quite it was badly. Horrible. Like yeah, big, proper nasty. I had a big footprint on my face, and a gang a gang of kids, uh, sort of teenagers. Uh, chased after me on bikes and beat me up for everything in my pockets uh, and the night after you rushed over to my site it was very very nice we only just started going out uh, and were and stayed with me while I, I dealt with the shock and the, the fear of it and you were brilliant oh. and on the night of the attack we stayed and you said what are we going to do what should we watch to calm you and down and you suggested because you're a television yes because that's my thing <laughs> you said we should watch something soothing what do you want and I chose to watch uh, a documentary on stalkers that That's I, right. Yeah, with blue chili, rosemary, might read socket. I find that oddly calming. Uh, and Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World, which is the best Jurassic Park film, and I find that oddly calming. <laughs> and then I said, I want to watch Nasty Nick uh, being accused. And luckily, I had that on VHS. Well, not luckily, as we've explained, you know, we were the children who recorded yeah. things on a, a dictaphone uh, when yeah. we didn't have the technology. Of course, you had a wall of VHSs yes. full of the things you loved from television. One of them was. Nasty Nick's uh, accusation, the, the 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 trial of Nasty Nick. And as it why was. do you think you found that comforting to watch? Because I think anything you've got on tape is kind of a cartridge or a button you can push to take you back to how you felt when you watched it. Whether you've got a favourite film or uh, a performance off Top of the Pops or something, save anything you go to as your go-to thing is a, is a way of quickly accessing that emotion. And I loved Big Brother and I felt safe with those people and that programme. Just the familiarity and the... Yeah, I think it was it was a very, very good service. If you were interested in people or even if you're confused by people, which I am sometimes, I'm interested in confused by people. It was a, it was a, people are confused by you, to be yeah, fair. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a tit for tat thing. <laughs> but... I found it really fascinating to watch really clearly, almost like emojis, big, simple, colourful interactions that you could watch and study and get involved with in the way that... I mean, we're now miles down the line. And this is why people watch constructive reality. Because actually, sometimes you don't want to watch something with enormous subtext and subtlety. You want to watch something with quite big, bright colours and people behaving... It's what soap opera is. It's why there's something... Go on, just say it. It's why I watch Made in Chelsea and I've never missed an episode. Exactly. I'm obsessed with the weird cartoon 
pantomime of it all. The heightenedness of it is yeah. why it's interesting because sometimes you don't want to be looking for tiny winks of the eyes. You want someone to be having quite a big way. And what Big Brother did brilliantly was by putting those people in a room with no stimulus, ordinary people took on the air of actors in a drama and and started to behave bigger, slightly larger than life. And then the editing pushed up a bit. Yeah. And it was a really nice, it was very natural drama in the way that actors or performers who improvise might then write by improvising. You improvise and then you refine yes, a better yes. version out of it. The editors had managed to refine a truer version of life than just... Just CCTV footage isn't on television. No, no. It would be boring. The slight heightening of it made it great. And it's everything that's great now about the best version. It's what's great about Gogglebox. It's what's great about First Dates. Completely. It's what's great about all those shows that are entertainment through observation is that at the end of it, you can turn to your partner or your friends and go, oh, God, I know someone like that. They're really useful. It's tribal. This is your village. You give something the shape of the story and suddenly we all understand, like we, with simple patterns that we can all understand. Yeah, because hu- that's how we all interpret the world through hu- stories. Humans are gossip machines. And yeah. now we don't have a village to gossip about. Sometimes it's handy to be gossiping about everyone who's in Strictly or in the jungle. Or talk, or talking of gossip. So I think it was the year after Big Brother. Maybe, maybe it was two. I think it, I felt like it was more recent than that. Um, but the year after the first series, I went to my first ever NUJ chapel meeting. So like as a journalist yeah, yeah. union. Um, and uh, there was a freelance meeting in Soho. And I thought, well, I'll go along and, you know, sign up. And I did so. And uh, we were also sitting around in this, in this pub in Soho, getting to know each other. Lots of journalists and photographers and a lot of different people and uh, just you know it was in full swing and then uh, arriving rather late to the party with like a big messenger bag over his shoulder was nasty Nick oh my god because by then he'd restyled himself as a journalist like who I don't know who he was writing for and he's just a, you know, there was a bit of a murmur of a up. <laughs> it was this then. <laughs> we all recognised him, obviously. And he and he kind of sat down and uh, didn't say very much. And we all pretended not to notice him and didn't really participate. Then he just swept a few of the free mouse mats and pens <laughs> into his bag. And then we all went to another pub and he just disappeared. It was most odd, most odd. Oh, but that's God. the last I saw of him. Then I believe I heard he was going out with Edie Falco off of The Sopranos for a bit. This is, he's just... Locked. I mean, he's led quite the life. <laughs> that... <laughs> Who knows what he's doing now? And, and who knows if he tells you what he's doing, if he's telling the truth. That's I know, the that's whole the point. thing. He's... Once you know someone's a compulsive liar, it's, a, it's, it's fun trying to guess which bits are true. <laughs> <laughs> now, before you go, can I invite you to pick a question from the Box of Delights? Oh, certainly. Right, you have to choose a new Doctor Who. Now you have 10 seconds. Explain your reasoning. 10, 9, um, it's... 8... Seven, Russell T. Six, Davis has five, to actually do it. Four, three, two, one. Explain why you've put him in this position. Has he ever acted before? I don't. I, mean, I know he was did. Why don't you back in the day? But was he on camera? I think he seems quite capable. If 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 you point a camera at him, I just think it'd be really fun if eventually if you took the writer, the showrunner, and put them in the front. Like the front best and one. No offense. Yeah, but you you bung the showrunner front and center. I reckon he's got enough. Honestly, the fans would go wild. I mean, they would, wouldn't they? They'd say Russell T. Davis is coming back to Doctor Who, and they oh what to write again no he's going to be and he's going to be the first black Doctor Who and no that that wouldn't work uh, no, no Joel no it would be the first Welsh Doctor <laughs> oh my god controversial and that would be a minority thing but yeah it would be amazing I'd like to see just the reveal as he turns around and they go what yeah, <laughs> how that. come yeah. I think because you know without being wankers you know we've been at a TV thing and we met him didn't we yeah. um, and someone said come and meet him and we both kind of went eee and it's really exciting and he was one of the most charismatic lovely low-key yeah. generous cool dudes he was just lovely wasn't he I, and you have to love Doctor Who you have to love yes. and fall in love with them 
I'm totally in love with him, so I yeah. would, my vote is with him too. I think so. I think he'd be learn a very to good act, actor. Russell, and fast. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can find links to the YouTube clips from today's episode on our Twitter feed at Box Delights Pod. Come and say hello. Bye. <laughs>